G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 59 of the Outback Mine podcast. The power of nature, it's, it's something that we just ignore and, and take for granted, so I guess uh, with our health primarily, we sort of outsource it a lot and we don't actually like really understand how our bodies work primarily, but also what nature's trying to teach us consistently. Now, today's guest, Charlie Arnott, um, it's pretty much come full circle from farming and then sort of gone into regenerative farming or regenerative farming. So giving the, the land its power back to actually do its job rather than sort of... Uh, enhancing it with chemicals and so forth, which is foreign to the land. And um, Charlie's had some tremendous results with, um, with what's called biodynamic farming and, and getting, um, getting you know, quality produce uh, you know, sourced and formed from his land. And um, not only if you're a farmer, but if you're just an everyday man, woman, um, you can learn a lot from, uh, from Charlie and his conversation because I just, I've seen so much evidence over the years that uh, our bodies and minds have got the power to rebalance themselves if we give it the, re- the, the right environment. And it's no different with, uh, with the land and nature. And um, Charlie and I are going to talk uh, you know, uh, extensively about that and pretty deeply about it because it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I've seen the medical system you know, forcing the other way with regards to people's healing where I just think there's a lot of opportunity to be able to take our own power back and, and self-heal in many ways. We do have... A disease pop up, and uh, it's no different, as I say, with the lamb. With uh, with disease of the lamb, you're not going to get the the uh, the response from it. But if you just give it uh, a chance to settle, like the mind and the body, then all of a sudden magic happens. So we're going to really go deep into this one. Really, uh, really be grateful if you could check out um, our primary partners, which are both uh, doing just what Charlie and I are about to talk about. You know, giving giving us our power back by by proper foods. You know, really good wholesome foods for our bodies and minds. So. The first primary partner we have is Green Nutritionals. So they supply awesome organic um, uh, magnesium powder, barley grass powder, wheat grass powder, uh, spirulina, all natural, purely sourced organic stuff. So I'd really like you to check them out and support them, greennutritionals.com.au and also Pure Life Organic Sprouted Bakery. So they make uh, sprouted breads, which is so much better for our digestion which improves our mental health and um, most of the breads we eat are well, pretty much all the breads we eat are, are not sprouted and um, you know they're, they're not uh, formed and um, produced uh, really well like like pure life this makes such a, a potent product which is so good uh, for our digestion but also just gives us uh, a lot of life and support to our, our life force, force systems in our bodies so Really would love you to check out and support them. Their products are available all around Australia, purelifebakery.com.au. Thank you to both those uh, awesome partners that help us out with this podcast. And that's my real passion to try and help people take their power back by giving themselves the, the right nutrition, which actually helps their physical and mental health. Um, just part of it, um, our, our diet, it's just part of it, but it also plays a big part on our mental well-being as well. Alrighty, sit back and listen to Charlie and I going at it. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. Charlie Arnott, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. G'day, Aaron. Um, pleasure to be uh, uh, speaking with you and, and talking to your listeners today. Yeah, thank you very much, mate. Uh, obviously, this uh, this podcast goes out to regional Australia in um, 
in various states and territories and well, all states and territories but uh, a lot of the guys that listen to this are on the land uh, and also a lot of the guys that listen to this are in um, suburban or residential areas as well uh, and they have got an interest in you know health and nutrition natural healing all that type of stuff as well as some ladies that listen to this as well and um, you know we've had the discussion about being passionate about what nature's trying to teach us and what uh what we've actually got, got available to us as far as, you know, sourcing um, uh, terrific organic products to be able to help our, our physical and mental well-being, but also to be able to sort of reconnect with, uh, you know, the land and, and what uh, what's available to us as humans, mate. And um, I'm really grateful, you know, for, for you joining me because you've got such a passion about the same thing and what you're doing down there in New South Wales is really great, educating people and also educating people around Australia about how to... Uh, farm biodynamically but also to be able to regenerate their land and um and, and use it more wisely mate so really appreciate uh, you being here i'd like to know a bit about your, your background mate where you were brought up and how life's evolved for you um up until you know your early teens until now i guess in a, in a nutshell sure in a nutshell <laughs> um no let's do it um and again look thanks for having me on and and you know what you've just um, uh, mentioned there, Aaron is certainly you know very closely aligned with my values and what I advocate and what my family does and what I've been doing for you know some years now. So um, good for you for for being another um, conduit for information and inspiration. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, look, I grew up um, at Burua. Burua is for your listeners uh, about an hour and a half north of Canberra. Um, conventional mixed farming. Um, uh, farm there and uh, when I say sort of conventional mixed farming we had a lot of input, a lot of output, a lot of artificial um, fertilisers and so on and we um, uh, you know it's, 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 what I, it's what I thought was normal, it's what I experienced as being normal mm-hmm. um, I was born there and I, I grew up there, went away to school you know, but, but everything I did and learnt was really around that style of farming, which was fine, and that's all I knew. So I guess, um, you know, at some point, uh, well, I went away to school, went away to uni- university, was a, was um, rural science at Armidale University, um, and that was, um, again, very science-based and sort of conventional farming type stuff. Um, and then... You know, I went, I did some other things, and then I went home to manage our farm in about 1997. And so, Aaron, when I did that, <clears throat> again, it was with this sort of that, that paradigm that I'd sort of grown up with and been educated about um, just high input, high output farming. And again, you know, it's all I knew, and, it, and, and I hadn't really thought of any other way to do it. You know, the, the smart people at university had taught me that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd only ever really experienced it that way. All my life, and so probably about two thousand and three or four, um, I you know there were a series of events that really pushed me. Um, so I've, you said you said up to my teenage years, I've, I've gone over that pretty quickly. I'm now into my I don't know, I'd be late twenties by then. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, so there were some things that happened, some tension events, as Charlie Massey calls them in his book uh, called The Reed Warbler. Mm. You know, there was financial stress <clears throat> because we were in the middle of the millennial drought. You know, we were adjusting cattle. Actually, we, the furthest we adjusted our cattle was up at a property we had um, up near Injun. I'm not sure how far that is away from you, but um, certainly 
a long way from Borua. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was watching Tadics blow away um, in the summer of about 20, uh, 2003. Um, some significant things happened that some were some were very you know immediate and 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 and, and significant you know um, at the time, and others were a bit of a slow slow burn. <clears throat> and I guess my mental health wasn't that flash. I didn't know at the time. You know, I guess. You work hard, you play hard, mm. um, you don't complain, don't whinge, and this is how you farm. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, feeding sheep and cattle for, you know, months of the year and lots of chemical load on, on farms is, was normal, you know. Mm. So, but I guess, you know, what I was experiencing, Aaron, was, um, and I didn't really understand this till later, was I, I was, there was a, there was a push away. I was being pushed away, and a need. There was a need to get away from that current farming situation. You know, get away from that pain. Mm. Um, and the good news was that I identified I wanted to stop doing what I was doing because I just didn't feel right. It wasn't aligned with my values. Um, I started educating myself. Went to some conferences. Actually, the first little catalyst, probably Aaron was. A course I went to called um, Profiting from the Drought, and it was a one-day course, and it was. Um, uh, are you getting some feedback there or something? No, no, mate. It's clear as a bell at my end. Oh, good. Yep, oh, good. Yep, no, that's yep. fine. Long, long, long as you and your listeners can hear me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, the Profiting from the Drought was a one-day course, and it was like this would be a joke. What? Who profits from a drought? <laughs> anyway, so I went to um, went to the course, and it blew my mind because it really, for the first time. You know, never in university, never at school, never in my paddocks had I been asked questions about, you know, who I was and what I wanted to do. And, mm. and the most significant one was, was I happy? Mm. And someone's, you know, this, this fellow at the course who facilitating said, are you happy? And I said, well, I'm not unhappy, um, which is pretty crap mm. answer, really. So, <clears throat> look, you know, I was, I was talking about being pushed away or you know, pushing myself away from a situation I was identifying as not serving me, not relying on my values. But the good news is at about that same time through education and meeting different people and and getting clear of my values and getting clear on, you know, really what I want to do in my life, <clears throat> I there was there was something that was it was drawing me towards a different way of thinking and a different way of uh, behaving. Probably the behaviour one was really important, you know, and, and, and different practices. So, you know, there was a push away from something I didn't want to be doing anymore and there was a pull towards a much more attractive, stable, um, you know, new way of farming. And, you know, we now call it, you know, regenerative agriculture, if I can sort of put it in a box. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was much more than just selling all my ploughs and all my stop spraying chemicals and, you know, changing practice in the paddock. <clears throat> you know, I always bang on about, you know, the first place to change is the paddock between your ears. Yeah. And that's what I did. You know, I, I paradigms about, you know, chemical use, <clears throat> thinking that's what you need to do to grow food. Mm. Um, no appreciation of nature or the, what it was, what it can sort of, what it can <clears throat> provide us if we if we walk hand in hand with it, as opposed to just you know flogging it and mm. and um, using it as a resource yeah. and mining it. Mm. 
and so when I appreciated that, it changed changed everything. And you know, I, I was um, I was a commodity farmer. Um, you know, we grew <clears throat> grew wheat and canola, and you know, loose and hay and oats and beef and mutton and lamb, the whole thing. And what um, I didn't really care who who um, who bought it, as long as they paid me good money. Mm. I didn't even think that. I didn't really even think that people. I mean, I knew people were going to eat it, but I didn't really think about who and why and mm. you know what 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 that meant for them. <clears throat> I was just growing stuff to then pay the bills and make some money, you know. Mm. So I guess that's another paradigm that, that changed in my head overnight was that realization that um, you know I was contributing positively or negatively to people's health every mouthful of the food that I grew, mm. you know every day <clears throat> and so you know when when i acknowledge that um i and i sort of at the same time was doing homework on chemical use and how how it affects the body and the environment and it was um you just can't unknow that stuff it was just um mm. i just couldn't do it anymore so i sold all the spray gear and and changed a lot of things but i guess that's sort of that that's the sort of genesis of of um of the journey that we we're now on yeah mate uh i'll tell you lots of things come to me through through your your, your discussion or your your comments there charlie like uh, as you know like i sort of my family has a farming background in western victoria in the wimmer and um i lost a cousin um a few years ago basically because of rapid cancer that occurred that occurred in his body um Mm-hmm. from from um, chemical handling and, and use, I, I believe, and I'm, I'm sure plenty of others believe that too, but they don't really feel comfortable to, to admit it or talk about it. Um, it's not natural for a human to, to get a rapid cancer at, uh, at a young age. And, um, yeah. you know, there was a bit of uh, negligence with regards to that. And, um, you know, as I mentioned to you earlier, like my, my grandfather was farming the land uh, out there and um, and my uncle, uh, who's a beautiful man now in his 90s, and, and, and he talks about when the crows used to go behind the, 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 the header and, and pull the worms out of the ground, you know, and um, uh, the lamb was so moist and rich, but now it's it's like a, a beard table. It's, it's very barren and they're just... They're just Obviously, chemically enhancing the land, which is um, giving them the results and the yield today that they need to survive and, and cover their overheads and, and live a, a healthy or a wealthy life. But at the end of the day, the healthy life is being, um, uh, I suppose, lost. And you know, I see I see my family there now, and they're certainly not not healthy uh, in in many ways. You know, whereas back. Yeah. 30, 40, 50 years ago and beyond, farming is much more natural than what it is now because we never had the influences that we have, which are really denaturing the land and getting us away from what uh, what nature has got there for us to be able to provide everything that we really need. Yeah, I think that, you know, we as you know, men or humans, but mainly men, I guess we're the ones who tend to want to think we need to... Um, domineer <laughs> the environment yeah um you know we, we try and reduce it you know to its reduce the variables the variables of you know other plants in the system um uh nutrients in the system um animals pests in the system <clears throat> you know we try and break it down to a 
what we think is a much more manageable set of parameters. Mm. Um, you know, uh, we're very prescriptive, and this is certainly my, you know, previous way of farming, very prescriptive, very science-based, which is fine, but I just didn't, there's a whole part of my management and decision-making behaviour that I hadn't discovered yet, <clears throat> and it's actually a combination of science and stuff that, you know, that I believe is not so scientific and mm. um, often adds the colour and the culture to a business. Um, but nonetheless, you know, trying to break it down to its parts, monoculture cropping, um, eliminate the nasties, weeds and pests to achieve an outcome that is generally based on, yes, well, mainly yield, yes, quality to some extent. You know, we want high protein in our wheat to get the premium. Mm. At the end of the day, it's generally a, a quantitative um, outcome we're looking for because, you know, tonnes, dollars per tonne, uh, more tonnes a hectare, more money. Um, again, commodity farming and, you know, I just don't believe, yes, we're feeding the world um, with that style of farming, but, you know, uh, is it good for anyone? No, you know, that, that, over, right. over, over, overfed and undernourished. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, you look at the nutrients that were in the ground and in the going into the product back then uh, compared to how they are now. And, yeah, you're right, we're... We're actually overeating because we're not, not getting the nourishment from the nutrients that are uh, coming from the soil into the food, which were, you know, once there, uh, I suppose, at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, Charlie, I worked for a, a major food um, grain provider a few years ago doing health and safety work. And I, I just observed how how heartless and soulless the uh, the industry is just with product coming in, product going out overseas and um, how it was handled, it was really, really bad, you know, and um, and that 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 is going into our bodies. There's no real care and attention with regards to that mainstream farming, and also you know the, the guys in the land just wanting to get the best dollar that they possibly can uh, for the product, uh, and you know that product going into consumers' bodies, which isn't uh, isn't really vibrant and, and 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 providing life force at the end of the day. Yeah, look, our, I think our, um, you know, why is that? I mean, is it is it you know human human nature to make it easier, so called easier? You know, um, our KPIs, mm. if I can use that word, or equivalent, have changed. You know, once upon a time, it was about quality. It was about feeding the community. It was about um, you know contributing to the community, and over a period of time, and with some pushes and some shoves and you know, agendas, I believe, um, we're now, what's normal is food production that relies on so many other outputs. So from a business point of view, that's not necessarily a stable, um, resilient way to have it, that you're relying on a whole lot of other things to get the food, you know, get food grown. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, yeah, I mean, our whole, our outcomes we're looking for are just are just so are just so different now. You know, we're we're um, again, it's just a it's a quantitative type um, agenda that we we are we are getting stuck in. You know, it's it's hectare, it's, it's it's tons of hectare, and you know the business models that we are now you know conventionally farm uh, conventional farms are now running with. I believe um, uh, they're not supportive of that current business. They're supporting too many other businesses. Yeah. And 
you know, their businesses get stuck. You know, it's almost like they get addicted to those inputs because once you have one input that's non, that's artificial or not, not natural, we then disrupt a system that is beautifully balanced. And then that creates, you know, whether it's insects, we've got predators above and we've got food supply below each insect we take out of that system. Call from that, that, that layer above and below. And then, you know, it's a, real, it's a wonderful business model for those people who are supplying us with inputs. Yeah. But for those who are... Yeah, so, I mean, so whether we're, you know, we're talking about fungicides, pesticides, herbicides um, or artificial, you know, fertilisers, we're talking about basically chemicals, chemical inputs and, you know, that's that's um, that that creates reliance on other businesses. It, it creates, you've got to sort of also deal with the, uh, you know, the agendas of those other businesses. They've got to sell products. Mm. And if I can sell you more product um, and products that actually lead to you having to buy other products, then that's a wonderful business model for them. And, and But it's not it's not a good outcome necessarily for the business of you know, the farm that is in business. And the other, you know, impact is on nature, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's significant because, you know, we need to start, I believe we need to start considering nature as our most valuable business partner. Oh, absolutely, mate. Well, you know, because yeah. we're not sort of, you know, we don't... You, it is the most powerful ever present and, 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 and you know, um, uh, everlasting, you know, business partner <clears throat> that any business can have. It's unpredictable um, and no one ever beat, you know, beat, beat nature at that game. So, you know, why we, we think we can, why we think that waking up every morning, which is what I was doing, and killing stuff to make stuff grow and to, to, to grow food mm. was ever going to have a really good outcome. Um, you know, we're just mad. And how do, you know, it just always fascinates me. How do we get to that point so far from a more natural, harmonious um, relationship with nature that is, can provide everything we need um, if we just, you know, as I said, walk hand in hand with it. And it doesn't mean we've all got to have our one acre veggie gardens and there's no more broad acre farming i'm not saying that i'm just saying that there's if you know i, I always encourage people to look at alter, alternatives to what they're doing and, and often farmers aren't good at as i said earlier on there aaron asking themselves better question am i happy mm. do my behaviors align with my values yeah. you know <clears throat> am i happy about spraying wheat 50 meters from my homestead where my kids are you know bloody running around the garden yeah yeah we're just we just tend to sort of isolate work from family and, and life and lifestyle, so, you know, too much, which is interesting, which is ironic because we live on farms and it is part of our lifestyle. So, but we're, we're you know, the, 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 the KPIs of a farm business um, from a conventional farming point of view, that was my experience, um, often do not align with, you know, family values and the objectives of, you know, um, a family and its health, you know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I see it often. Uh, I see, uh, coming from Western Victoria, I see the young guys now that are, that are farming, uh, you know, that's gone on from dad and grandpa and so forth, but they're, they're driven by the dollar, absolutely. You know, they've got to have, <laughs> totally. they've got to have the land cruiser, they've got to have, um, you know, all these assets and so forth, but they've actually lost focus of... Uh, 
of what um, what it's all about. And when you really sit down and think about it, I'm providing a product that's going to feed, you know, the masses and the world out there. Now, these guys are getting pushed from the other end. So this is an end-to-end process, you know, from paddock to plate primarily. And, and really what we're seeing is the domination of the large supermarkets, which are governing, saying, we need so much product, we need you to get it to us no matter what. Yep. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, it's... It's not, it's not, I mean, there's a word sustainable. It's not, it's not, it doesn't create resi- resilient farming communities or businesses. And this is, I guess, the other thing too, Aaron, talking from our community is, you know, this drive to, to um, profit. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not saying we should just drop the whole profitability thing just to feel good. It needs to be sustainable, you know, um, a business needs to be profitable um, and can be. Um, by doing things, you know, by doing things differently. And, you know, often the more machinery we have and the more technology we put in place and the more we simplify our enterprises by having monocrops um, and we take the colour and we take, you know, we, we, we sort of pigeonhole nature and we simplify nature as best we can, mm. you know, that from a community point of view is, is a horror story because we generally have less people in those communities, less families and businesses are supported by that a lot more of the inputs to that farm are coming from outside of that region. You know, they're often coming from overseas. And, you know, the dollar just doesn't go as far. You know, a dollar might be generated in that business and before you know it, it's in, it's in another country. You know, it's sort of a different way of thinking and a different food system and a different paradigm around food production and farming um, leads to, in some way, always, um, greater support for the community because the dollar that gets earned with whatever the product that is, and it's spent locally, it can go through that community a number of times before it actually pops out and then might head into, a, you know, overseas or hopefully the region next door. So there's just so many different dynamics at play when you when one compares, again, you know, I compare my life as a conventional farmer versus a, a regenerative farmer. You know, I can... There's... there's the dynamics are so much... Um, uh, uh, so better. I mean, uh, yeah, much much better for me, much better for the community, uh, much better for my health, yeah, and much yeah. better for my, my my customers. Tell me, Charlie, what's the what's the uh, ratio with regards to conventional compared to uh, you know natural farmers like yourself or biodynamic farmers like yourself? <clears throat> uh, numbers of farmers. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question, Aaron. I heard. I think I'm right in saying I heard Charlie Massey talking about it the other day. And I think he said something. Look, I'm, I mean, don't quote me. Ten percent, five percent, somewhere around there. I don't know. Mm. <clears throat> I don't know how you'd even sort of gather that information. But what I do know is that that is growing. So if we can sort of look at, look at that two ends of the food spectrum there, Aaron. You know, farmers. Um, and, and I was at a field day yesterday, and it was emphasised over and over again. You know, farmers moving into new farmers who aren't farming before, haven't been farming before, they're moving into agriculture for any number of reasons. Mm. I believe very few of them are going, I'm just going to buy a big property and all the gear and spray the crap out of them. Mm. Most of them, I believe, are going in there for a lifestyle change, a um, environmental change, and they are looking at a better way of doing farming, you know, regenerative, um, so to speak. Mm. And then a lot of farmers who are, you know, next-generation farmers, they've taken over from the dad, not unlike me, I went, oh, hang on, this doesn't feel right, doesn't look right, doesn't smell right. You know, they're changing. I just think there's, there's more and more people. That number is growing. And, and at the other end of the spectrum, Aaron, where, you know, the eaters, at the other end eating the food, you know, 
no one's walking. I mean, I'm happy to be proven wrong, mm. but no one's walking into a grocery store that I know of <clears throat> and saying, hey, can you get more of that GMO corn in because it was delicious? Yeah, you know? yeah. No one's, no one's going, can you get that lettuce in that's been sprayed with whatever insecticide? You know, they're saying, can you get some of that awesome organic corn and that, you know, chemical-free lettuce? Yeah. And that, to me, is really encouraging because um, we're creating a demand at that end, you know, where rubber hits the road, where people are consuming that food and there's health outcomes um, for those people, they understand that now and they're understanding it more and more. And there, that demand is trickling back down to us, the cockies, mm. who are going, oh, gee, there might be something in this. Mm. You know, there seems to be a demand. It doesn't mean you've got to be certified organic and change everything. It's just it's, it's just a steps into that space and, in, you know, and, and, and looking at things in a different way and going, wow, one, you know, why are people demanding that sort of food? Yeah. You know, that, can, I grow, can I grow things without so much chemical? Charlie, do you think it'll come, like, oh, it's lovely to see that, you know, that there's a bit of a, a groundswell and, and some things changing. Do you think it'll actually, like, be, become, a, uh, actually come to a stage where it'll put pressure back on you again, where you think, oh, you've got so much demand, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to, like, you know, get more product out here now, which is going to affect your mental health and so forth. So do you just want to keep your own enterprise quite sustainable and, and manage it as you are now? Sorry, say that again. In my my situation, yeah. So so with regards to the demand uh, escalating, yep. um, do you yep. think that that could have an effect on your own mental health if you have got demands there? Oh. Which you're going to, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> force you to be able to pr- provide more product than what you're oh, yeah. currently doing at the moment. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. I think, I think if I was in my previous paradigm of um, more is better. Um, then I probably would. It would create some stress and go, wow, you know, it's a good problem to have, people wanting more of your food. Mm. Um, but I think now yeah. I'm a little bit more wary of what that, um, where that would push me or what I can actually do, how I can respond to that demand. Mm. Um, I would obviously, well, not obviously, I would, um, uh, I would do my best to increase demand without compromising quality. So increase the, 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 the quantity of food that I can produce without compromising quality. And, you know, at any long, anywhere along this journey, people can reach out to others and, and, and collaborate to, to um, meet that demand, you know. Um, I've got 5,000 acres of burua. Um, I don't know how to, you know, I've got a dozen chickens running around producing eggs. Um, I don't know how to do it on a large scale but i've got two wonderful people um uh, tessa and brock there now and we're stepping into a situation where you know they are going to um run and create a chicken enterprise on our land and we'll profit share Mm. so you know there's demand is increasing for good eggs i'm not the expert i've got resources i can contribute to an enterprise Mm. let's collaborate and meet that demand without putting more pressure on me. And I'm sharing resources we have. They're sharing their experience. It's another product that we can we can co-brand. Um, so I guess that's one way to answer your question. Is you know, it's not a, it's not a linear sort of a, a journey as demand increases. I think I think if we're you know have our regenerative, collaborative, community-based hats on when we when we meet that problem, there's many many ways to solve it. Interesting. One word you said that was key is share. 
And, uh, you know, in the olden days, we actually did share quite a bit, our resources and our time and so forth. But it's actually probably become a little bit uh, separated and, and um, competitive now, farming, in some ways, in some communities. And um, it's beautiful to hear what you're actually doing with these young people to give them uh, an opportunity to be able to produce something from the dirt that you have to be able to turn into something that's really sustainable and, uh, and, and giving quality and giving life force, um, you know, to... Uh, a new market uh, opportunity for you and um, you know that that's I think that's the thinking that we actually need because when we do open up and look at exploring ways which are healthful um, which can actually give us uh, fulfillment um, as producers or fulfillment as individuals then all of a sudden you know your heart starts to open up and then you do start to share more and you start to do the things which are really um, you know working towards the higher levels of consciousness um, uh, rather than sort of you know going the other way, which which the world's really can um, you know uh, I suppose constructed with regards to the way we do business now. Yeah, it's a good point, and, and and there's even sort of further steps than that. You know, there's there's many more people <clears throat> um, interested in investing in regenerative agriculture um, that you know high net worth individuals or 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 you know um, organisations who are um, pulling together funds because they can identify a good return. And it, it also, not just ticks boxes, but it also addresses um, environmental, you know, issues, um, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, we're putting more carbon, drawing carbon out of the atmosphere, putting them to the ground. Um, it's improving habitat. There's many number of, any number of uh, environmental outcomes that organisations and individuals are looking to support. And so businesses, organisations like Cultivate Farms and Venture Organic, um, you know, they are helping people um, invest in different ways into regenerative farms, which is great as an investment, but also it supports up-and-coming, you know, farmers who want to expand, who've got new ideas, who want to buy land, they want to part with people. So it's a, you know, people get to play to their strengths. Some have got the money um, and want to invest. <clears throat> Others have got the expertise but no land others can connect them um connect the two and you know it's a pretty compelling win-win-win kind of scenario um when you've got that so in terms of your you know the word share there is a sharing of resources there's a sharing of experiences and skills and you know what's the outcome of that um solid investment um Land managed in a, in, a, in a holistic, regenerative way, that's a good outcome. Supporting farming families to get back out on the land, you know, producing nutritious, dense, um, organic, biodynamic food. Mm. And the outcome of all that um, is, you know, a much more resilient landscape and farm and business. Um, and, you know, on, a, on, on any scale, that's good for the environment. It's good for air, air you know, water bloody quality, it's good for nature in general, you know, it's good for diversity, biodiversity. So, I mean, I'm banging on a bit about it, but it's just it's just a lovely synergy when people do share their resources and share their experiences and you can get some wonderful outcomes. Well, mate, uh, the end users, the, the human, and that gives them better physical and mental health. Like if you're eating a product which is really nutrient-dense, you, you feel better, you know. If you're, using, if you're eating a product which is like really dead uh, in many ways, then we're not going to get the, 
the, the full nutritional value from that. We're going to be kept alive, fair enough, but we're not actually going to be able to vib- vibrate and have our cells working as they should and our body working as they should because, you know, look, yeah. you think about it, Charlie, a lot of the disease that's uh, modern in, um, in these times was not around 40, 50 years ago. No, that's right. And we, and we need less of it. Mm. You know, a good nutrient-dense food, our bodies respond and we just don't, you know, we, we are... We, we just don't need the quantity of food because the quality <clears throat> is in the food, you know. So, and, and you know, which leads me to make the comment about, you know, the, the cost of regeneratively grown or organic food, or vitamin food, whatever you sort of, however you want to sort of frame that up. Mm. Uh, people say, oh, I can't afford it. Well, if that's the only part of your shopping trolley you're looking at, well, yeah, you're right. It does cost a bit more. <clears throat> Keep in mind two things, you know, the, the, cheap, the, the cheap crappy food, that you might be might have been buying or still buying processed food. It's that's subsidising. That's subsidised. It's cheap because it's subsidised by the environment. <clears throat> and let's look at the rest of your shopping trolley. You know, do we, you know, swap out the fruit and veg and make it organic? <clears throat> sure, you might have a heart attack and go. That's more expensive. But if you remove out of the shopping trolley the processed foods, the crappy breakfast cereals, all the stuff wrapped in plastic that's you know, already six months old before it even hits the can or whatever else. Mm. I mean, it's not just a simple one-for-one fruit and veg. You know, this is this is a whole different attitude to shopping and the motivation to shop differently. Yeah. Um, it's not about feeling full and having a full pantry. It's about having, you know, it's about feeding your family um, nutritious food and and it's a it's a real uh, consideration of the health outcomes, you know. Mm-hmm. And as Joel Salton says so well, you got you got a choice every day when you eat food or you go shopping. You can pay the farmer for it now. You can pay the doctor later. Absolutely, exactly. And I, and yeah. I know which one I'd rather pay. My word. And then you you look at the uh, the the outcome if you're doing up in hospital. You're not really getting the. Uh, the, the nutrition there, the body needs to be able to heal again. And um, you know, we're, we're just <laughs> in, going... did you say in hospital? Yeah. <laughs> you're, dead, you're dead right. I mean, we should call it the illness industry, not the health industry. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. um, at the farm at Byron Bay, where, where I am now, and I, 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 I do some work, there's a hospital over, <clears throat> there's a hospital over the road, literally over the road from acres of fruit, uh, of fruit and veg, and I'd love nothing more than the fruit and veg that's been produced here to go 50 metres over the road into that kitchen. Mm. And... That's the medicine they need, you know, not yeah. the pills and the bottles and the, the treating of the symptoms. Let's go to the root cause here, um, which can be a little more complex sometimes to get there, but often the treatments are much more simple and longer, longer lasting. Well, you know, a big, a big um, responsibility of this podcast is to make people more aware of this. You know, geez, if things aren't working for us, well, let's look at why and look at the cause and then look at giving our bodies and mind more healthful resources so we can um, get back into balance. And, you know, Charlie, we've just got to, we get lessons every time we, we walk outside the door and look at what nature's doing, a bird, a, a frog, a, you know, a, 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 an animal in the wild. So, you know, they're actually just going about their business doing what they were designed to do. And we're designed, uh, we're designed a, a lifestyle now which is working against us and it's denaturing us. And, uh, you look at a human in a hospital, they're sitting under a fluoro light and they're getting fed rubbish and their body's having to deal with mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals as well. And I just know, I've seen the power of um, 
of healing disease just through by you know doing things like fasting and actually giving the body a chance to reset itself and um yeah you know disease can actually disappear and also eating to our right body types as well like we're, we're put into a box here where we just think we've got to all do the same thing but the human bodies are different and you know in eastern cultures they talk about the doshas and the doshas are all about you know, whether you're one of the three body types and to be able to gear your lifestyle more around that totally and <clears throat> Aaron when when you become prime minister oh, um, <laughs> I've been down that path mate I don't want to go back <laughs> <laughs> okay when you know when you know when you get to when you get to help someone one of your mates get into into the government and be the prime minister yeah. can you just make sure they combine the health and the agriculture department yeah because that would be, that that'd be one of the biggest step forwards in um in 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 health in 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 economy um in food production this country or any country could ever 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 take mm, absolutely but you know charlie it's, it's only been a short window it's only been 40 50 years since we've gone away from 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 the real stuff you know uh you know the agricultural domination has, has been around for a bit longer possibly but uh you know it's only been the last the last few decades where we've just really turned away and uh, and obviously there's consequences with regards to that um, you know, I talk talk a lot about humanology and, and what happens to a human when they when they break the law and they go to prison, for example. Well, they're they're just being punished for trauma that's not their fault, and that trauma can be mm. healed. And and it's just like the land, you know, the trauma in the in the the land can be healed, uh, and also the trauma in the human body can be healed. You know, I, I really believe that nature's trying to teach us all the time. The sun's been coming up and going down like it has been for. You know, forever we've just got to actually like get in tune with what uh, what that natural cycle is trying to teach us. Would you agree? Oh, totally. You know, and I mean, it's a it's a wonderful thing that 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 we the answers to the human health crisis uh, are in nature. Whether it's actually a, literally a medicine, you know, a product, a substance that that, that we can we can take, mm. um, or whether it's just purely by observation. You know, the way that um, you know that if we treat the, the cause, not the symptom, you know, that, that's the same in, in, in human health and in, in the environment, you know, if we, you know, and often, often, um, often the best remedies for, for healing the landscape are actually stopping doing things and stepping away and letting nature do what it does best and actually enable the amazing healing properties and balance that can be restored, mm. just giving the nature the opportunity to do that. And you just mentioned fasting then, Aaron. It's not a dissimilar thing. You actually don't, in some cases, and this is just an example, not eating food and stepping away from the, the table, the dining table, you know, and doing a fast can be an amazingly restorative thing to do, you know. And um, we're just so conditioned to have three meals a day, mm. which is fantastic for people making crappy food. You can just pull off the shelf and open a can and eat it. Yeah. Um, but you know the the you're absolutely right that the, the the messages we just need as humans I believe, and this is again you know we're so disconnected from nature we can't we don't have the opportunity to observe and appreciate and acknowledge the healing properties and the and the 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 dynamics of nature that if we sat and listened and watched, um, we would learn so much about you know, how to how to heal ourselves and again it's about windows of opportunity. Don't yeah. have that breakfast and wait till lunchtime. It's, you know, um, don't use that chemical and just see what happens. 
you know, and it's also a lot, of, lot, lot to do with trust. And I guess as you know, humans have, well, you know, some would argue evolved, and I'd say devolved in some ways, yeah. we've lost that sense of intuition, we've lost that sense of self-determination, and we've outsourced a lot of decision-making about our food and our behaviour to others who essentially have a vested interest in us being unwell, not thinking clearly, and reliant on on products, you know, literally cans of stuff or pills when, you know, if we just, um, as you say, resort back to 40, 50 years, you know, prior, um, that kind of behaviour and attitude, we just won't need to, that reliance. So, yeah, it's a big conversation, Aaron. I'm, I'm loving it and, um, you know, it's, it's really, and I, I, I trust your listeners um, are listening to this and... and kind of, you know, not, well, inspired maybe one thing, but I guess what I try and do, and I no doubt it's what you do too, Aaron, is you put things on the table. It's like whether you're talking to a farmer about farming or a person about health, you just leave things on the table as an alternative to what they might be currently doing and just see what they do with it. You don't jam it down their throat. You don't whack them over the head. It's like, you know what, this works for me. What do you reckon? You know, how, how might that work for you? And the only person I really give myself, give anyone a hard time about is myself, you know. I don't, you know, this is, again, in terms of ad, advoca um, advocating this style of living, really, not just farming, but living, you know, I've found that, <laughs> you know, you sort of bag others and say they're right, they're, they're wrong and I'm right, it doesn't go down well, so. Um, Absolutely, you can just be a guide and, and you know, sort of show alternatives on, on what's actually working and, Really, you know, the, the lesson that, as, as you said, with nature is, is, is in front of us all the time. And what happens, you, sort of, you talked about intuition, like a lot of the chemicals that we eat actually blocks our intuition. The, the third eye, they talk about it. And um, once your third eye is blocked, then you just like go to a survival um, mechanism or survival mindset. And, uh, and the, 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 I suppose the attention that you pay to what you're putting into your head and into your body is, um, is ignored. And, you know, you talked about fasting. There's a but there's been a thing called Vipassana in Eastern cultures for years, which is about being silent for 10 days. And the, the actual mental health outcomes out of doing something like that is, is absolutely tremendous. You know, it just resets everything, like all the busyness of the mind uh, clears away and you actually become in tune with the natural rhythm and, and the circadian rhythm, which license, you know, trying to teach us. And that's something pretty extreme for the average person to, to comprehend. But it just goes to show if we give... Um, give our bodies and minds a rest, then all of a sudden mm. the, the rejuvenation, like the land, can be considerable. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Aaron. You know, bombardment. You know, we bombard our bodies with substances, um, whether it's food or others. Um, we bombard our bodies, you know, more and more with EMFs and all sorts of, you know, infra, infra, well, you know, the waves of this and that, mm. um, you know, 5G, 6G. Um, we bomb, we're constantly bombarded with information and, you know, that didn't happen um, 50, 40 years ago, 200 years ago. I, I, there's some crazy quote that, you know, what you can look at, look at on Google in, in, in an hour is pretty much what, you know, some a person in the 18th century learned in their life. Yes. You know, it's just <laughs> some ridiculous change and, you know, that's not evolution, that's just... Our bodies haven't evolved to deal with that, and there's always going to be repercussions. And we, as you mentioned before, your your um, your friend or your family member, and you know who passed away with cancer. I mean, uh, 
you know, I just don't know there was, I just don't know there was much of that, um, you know, 50, 100, 200 years ago. Mm. And you, you might be familiar with the wonderful work mm. of Zach Bush, mm. you know, Dr. Zach Bush. And, and you know, he really, you know, the, the way he very articulately drills into the history, his own experience, um, the industry that is, you know, really, you know, responsible for uh, much of the disease and cancer that, of, of, you know, um, that we're currently experiencing, um, it's a really compelling story and it's, it's you know, um, the and as I said, the answers are not far away. I mean, actually, they're within reach. We've just got to, you know, decide and make that choice. Do we put this in our mouth or that? Mm. You know, do we go for a walk in the park or get on our phones? Mm. Um, you know, the behaviours that we teach our children. You know, it's, it's not hard to do. Um, and it's just, you know, what do we want to be conditioned to? What are the outcomes we want? Um, what is the new normal? You know, um, I trust that the new, one of the new normal things, Aaron, I'm looking forward to is when you can go to a, you know, those who have to um, go to a grocery store, that there'll be two types of labelling. Mm. There'll be food and there'll be chemical food. Yes. As opposed to walking into one now and finding food and organic food. It's like mm. everything should be organic. You know, let's identify the chemical stuff as a warning and give people a choice because at the moment, the crap that's got chemical over it, they think is normal and is fine. Yes. So, so many different paradigms we can, we can, we can start unraveling, yeah. um, for for the better. Yeah, absolutely. And your body's got to deal with all that as it does with chemicals that go under your arms and in your hair and all that sort of stuff. So, the more conscious we can be of, of what we're putting on in our bodies, then that's going to work better. Um, you know, it's putting terrible oil in your car and fuel in your car, there's going to be disruptions. Well, there'll be disruptions in the body and the mind if you're not fueling it correctly. And it's very hard in modern society because we have, um, you know, so much distraction and, and choice where we didn't have a lot of choice years ago and uh, it was quite simple. But I think, you know, people listening to this, uh, the real key message is to get back to simplicity as much as you can and, and listen to what nature's trying to teach us. And I just think that will provide the answers and, and help us heal and also help our mental health as well. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Aaron? You know, we're talking about, you know, two things here. There's, there's simplicity, simplicity of thought and action and deed and so on. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, there's diversity. You know, um, we need to be thinking a bit more simply. Um, uh, I'm generalising there, but also, you know, nature, if we look then turn to nature, the strength of nature is in its biodiversity and, mm. you know, the food we eat, um, you know, the, the greater range of food we eat, the better for us. Mm. You know, it, that doesn't, you know, as a human eating food, but also, you know, a cow in a paddock, sheep in a paddock, the greater diversity of pasture, the more healthy that'll be. Mm. Um, you know, the health of the soil, the more microbes and fungi and bacteria and crazy good stuff in the soil, the healthier those plants will be. So it's a really interesting balance we, we can choose to strike you know, simplicity of act and 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 thought, um, hand in hand with a biodiverse, supportive, um, natural nature experience, is a wonderful recipe for for health. Just got to be brave enough to step into it, Charlie. And I, I guess we've been so programmed in our generations to 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 you know work away from that. Uh, I often talk about my experience as a young fella. Uh, you know, antibiotics, all these sorts of things. My body was just in a, in a mess and, uh, you know, getting into the booze and all that as I got, got older just to get, make myself feel 
a little bit more harmonious, but once you let go of all that and start to like just uh, let your body uh, do what it's meant to do, get out of your own road, then then things start to to, to get better. It's a, it's a really brave step, but I, I just think you know, this podcast is a really good platform for, for people like yourselves to come on and provide information that can actually make people think, well, shit, maybe, uh, maybe there is something in this and we can, we can move forward and, and make some changes with, with courage and, and empower ourselves. Yeah, look, totally. And, and, and if, you know, the, the result of listening to this and <clears throat> your other um, uh, guess, um, Aaron, is that someone picks up a book, you know, Googles a word, checks out a business, um, when they go shopping, they look at something a little differently, you know, and they, they grab this and not that. I mean, that is the first step and a commendable step. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's fantastic. No one's asking anyone, just like farmers. I don't say to farmers, you've got to change overnight. You actually, I don't say you have to do anything. Mm. But it's not about, you know, um, a change and, and, and throwing the baby out of the bathwater. And, and, you know, this is about... As I said, changing the paddock between <clears throat> the ears first, and that works. That's for people in urban situations as well. Just you know, maybe change the the, the food and you know the decisions you make when you're buying the food. And you know, if that's if that's what you do today, tomorrow, or next week, that's fantastic. And the wonderful thing is, those decisions support a better way of thinking and a better health. And the results will speak for themselves. And it's sort of in some ways an exponential kind of a journey because you can't unsee and unhear and unfeel the results, um, and then your sensitivity, quite literally, to the, the crap is heightened and it's sort of, it's hard, and this is a good thing, it's hard to go back to that because your body's just going, oh, my God, this is what it's like to feel healthy. Mm. This is good food. Yeah. You know, your cells respond, your brain works better, mm. um, and that's an inbuilt, I guess, protective mechanism. The body goes, yep, I, I love this stuff. Mm. Um, keep feeding me, you know. Mm. Oh, 100%, mate. We'll, we'll talk more deeply. And I think we better do a part two to this, Charlie, uh, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the future because there's lots more to discuss. But, mate, how can people get hold of you to, to look at the beautiful work you do and maybe get some advice with regards to regenerating their own land and, and, and looking at what you've done within your own uh, environment uh, and also get some con- consultation to be able to, to, to maybe change the way that they do their farming or they just produce food in their own backyard? Um, awesome. Thank- Thanks for the opportunity, um, Aaron. Um, I have a website, charliearnett.com.au. We've got sort of basically a couple of different parts to that. There's events. We teach biodynamic workshops. Um, we're releasing spring dates. Uh, we actually got one up near... Um, um, Delaca between uh, Roma and Miles in a couple of weeks' time, and then at Kinkin near Kinkin on the Sunshine Coast. Um, and we have um, there's a biodynamic workshops. Um, I have a podcast called The Regenerative Journey, and I interview not just farmers but people all sorts of backgrounds and really focus on their regenerative journeys. And you know the feedback we get is tremendous, and people say, look, you know, even though they might be a farmer and they're listening to an interview with a meditator, they can really um, you know, um, see some parallels and get a lot of a lot out of that, and and so that's that's one place that I think you know people can can dive into. Um, oh yeah, my website and the, and the podcast, the, the main ones. Leave me a message on I'm on Instagram, um, uh, Charlie Arnett one on Instagram, and and um, uh, Charlie Arnett Natural Grass Fed Meat on Facebook. Um, all those usual sort of um, social media channels. But um, look, you know, Aaron, thank you for the opportunity to um, to have me on, and um, I hope that sort of might uh, 
prompt people to do a bit of a Google. Or, oh, another book, Charlie Massey's um, Call the Rebobbler. It's a big story, big book, um, but it really has been a bit of a um, probably the biggest catalyst in this space in farming and health. You know, globally, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say for some years, and it's compelling case studies and stories he's pulled together what was it of, called? of farmers. Call of the Reed Warbler. Call of the Reed Warbler. Okay. Charlie Massey, oh. Call of the Reed Warbler. Fascinating, based on a PhD. He pulled it all together into a book. Um, and he interviewed farmers who transitioned and changed. And, you know, it could be graziers, could be croppers, could be you know, all sorts. Um, and, and presents a very compelling story as to the benefits of changing to this style of agriculture and life. Not just about farming, it's about life. And also identifying, you know, if we choose not to change as an individual, as businesses, as nations and as, as a human race, you know, where it's not looking that clash. Mm. So it's a real Bible, I say, I hesitate to use that word, but it's certainly it's, it's um, probably a place to go. Um, look, there's a lot of stuff. On my website, I've got a lot of resources there, so I encourage people to jump on there and drop me a message or, or have, a, have a look around. Yeah, awesome, mate. Really grateful for your time, Charlie. I'm sure plenty will get... Uh a lot from this conversation, mate, and um, you, 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 you've been so brave to be able to move out of the conventional into the, uh, into the, uh, into the, the world of nature again, and, uh, and, you know, what you're doing is going to obviously, you know, help change your community down there, but also help inspire others to do the same throughout Australia and beyond, I think, so really grateful for your time, mate. Thanks, Aaron, appreciate um, you having me on, and keep up your wonderful work. Guys, thank you very much. Lots of wisdom there, um, lots of deep stuff. We, we certainly got, uh, got into it with regards to our passions, but also what's possible as humans and what we can actually do to, to reconnect and um, get, get our power back, take our power back. It's, it's there for us. It's, it's been sort of you know, swept away from that. So I really encourage you to look at Charlie's uh, website um, and look at what he's doing. He's got some great stuff on there, recipes and all these sorts of things, which are you know beautiful. And if you are a meat eater, he's got um, they've got great stuff on there on, on, on production with regards to uh, for, um, uh, recipes and so forth with um, primary producing uh, from from natural um, uh, naturally produced animals, um, which is really great to see. And um, yeah, you pick up lots of great advice from his website. Also, if you want to touch base with me, support outbackmind.com.au, website outbackmind.com.au. Lots of great people coming on this podcast soon. We'd be glad if you can share it. And also the Australian Men's Health Awards. If you want to uh, cast a vote for the Outback Mind podcast on that, uh, the Australian Men's Health Forum website, uh, go to the Australian Men's Health Awards and look for the Outback Mind. Cast a vote. That finishes this week. So if you get a chance, that'd be awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers.